Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. So before we get started with this week's episode, we wanted to remind you of our Patreon community. Patreon is a platform where we hang out most of the time, mm-hmm. um, and it's where we share extra stuff, just whether it's recipes from me, writings from Rebecca Pete, um, direct communication with you guys. That is where we have extra content, like um, additional episodes on hot topics that we can be a little bit more off the cuff and spicy about because it's not on our normal <laughs> episode. It's not on iTunes. It's not on Spotify. iTunes. Yes. So, um, Anyway, you can pledge much like you would PBS or any other pledge system um, yes. to support us monthly, and you will get extra stuff and our eternal love and support. And you also have the opportunity to have a say in what we talk about yes. on the podcast because yes. you get to communicate with us as well as us communicating with you. And we will tackle issues. I mean, you've basically got a chef and a theologian in the palms of your hands. <laughs> and if you don't know how to find us on Patreon— it's www.patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash woven in him. And we'll have that linked in the show notes. For so sure. Check it out. And here's today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode 71. We are in the middle of our yoked series on marriage. And today we are talking about infidelity. Um, so yay, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, positive topic, (laughs) but it is, it's a really foundational thing. Trust in a marriage is essential. And today to help us with this conversation, we've invited Sarah Collier. You may remember Sarah from, oh my gosh, like our fourth episode. I mean, it, it was one of the really early ones. You came on to talk about the integration of the mind, body, emotions, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll link to that episode because that was a really good one. But today we're talking. Oh, and the boundaries episode. And the boundaries episode. That's right. You did. Okay. We'll link to those because you did great. Um, And now we've invited you back. But in case somebody has not heard those episodes, would you introduce yourself briefly? Sure. I'm so excited to be back. And I feel like to to follow Beth McCord and Enneagram. That's very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome for me. Um, Yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm a counselor at um, private practice over in Marietta uh, near Atlanta and um, have a three-year-old and yeah, my husband, Nathan, and one on the way. So that's exciting. (laughs) Um, So I'm a little tired these days, but um, yeah, excited to talk more about, yeah, this big, big topic, but breaking it down into something more compassionate and loving too. Yes, that's a good point. We, um, this can be a tricky thing to talk about Mm -hmm. and we don't want anyone to, you know, a lot of times you can hear stuff like this and start cringing internally and be like, oh, I'm guilty of some of these things or my spouse is guilty of some of these things. But, but the point is to come at it from a place of grace Mm -hmm. and we can't change things we don't see. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of noticing Mm -hmm. it and then giving you the power to say, I can make some changes because I'm aware. So, um, yeah. And how much of your practice do you, do you deal with marriage like how much is of that I mean obviously it's a lot of it but like Mm -hmm. do you work with couples a lot or just one person in the couple or I I I haven't done solely couples in a while because I've just 
a lot of other people in my practice do that more, yeah. but I've fallen into like a lot of working with the wives and yeah. then maybe another one of my colleagues will work with the husband and then okay. maybe yeah. we'll work with them together. Um, so that's been really interesting to, yeah. to work in that way. And do you feel like in your counseling practices, this kind of a topic that comes up a lot in different areas, like maybe not cheating necessarily, right, but right. just sort of rebuilding yeah. trust and things. Yeah, and we can talk more about that. We're like, really, what is this? Like, what is fidelity and infidelity and faithfulness yeah. and trust? And um, but but it all kind of boils down to who do I trust? You know, and yeah. Do I trust myself? Do I trust my spouse to care for me? And do I even know what my needs are? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who's responsible for what? And yeah. Um, yeah, that can just get muddied really easily, especially if we never like developed that initially before a marriage. So what, what, how would you define fidelity? Like when yeah, we're saying so trust, what are we talking notes. about here? Um, <laughs> Good definition. So, right. So I kind of just threw a bunch of words together, but um, or yeah, I, I like faithfulness. That's another way to say it. Um, I, I'm making a decision to uphold vows or whatever commitment I agreed upon, especially in marriage. Um, and I like the I, concept of protecting, that I am protecting this thing, this commitment, this marriage from distraction, from intruders, from anything, you know, telling me lies or pulling me away from the truth. Um, and it's this also this idea of process, that it's this ongoing, um, consistent, continual um, choice that I'm making mm -hmm. of a commitment and loyalty and support. Um, this other author I found recently, I, he had this great definition where he called it choosing to be radically present every day, like showing up for mm. your marriage every day and for even for yourself and cultivating habits that nurture that connection every day and then alert to habits that presume upon that connection. Mm. So I really liked that. Um, and then, the, you know, the idea of infidelity and infidelity is just anything that is robbing, that is taking that away. Yeah. Um, anything that is violating that precious commitment um, and, and any, anything intruding on that bond that doesn't belong there or any decision that we've made to give something that only belongs to that connection elsewhere. Yeah. So you know, yeah, so our bodies, our time, our attention, you know, anything like that. Um, we can make it pretty broad, which we can talk more about the different yeah. ways. That yeah. Let's, in. let's talk about that. Cause I think a lot of yeah. people could probably listen and be like, well, I've never cheated on my spouse. Right. So this yeah. doesn't yeah. apply to me, but Definitely. I mean, there's yeah. like, let me tell you my biggest infidelity is this old thing. Is that a new shirt? No, I thought this is from last year. You know, it's like I like the shot, like the hiding purchases. Like, so I, I do that all the time, and it's like something I'm working on. I'm not. It's not funny. You shouldn't laugh at that. It's not good. But that is a little infidelity that I think a lot of people do, and we don't think about it. We're just like everybody does that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, but everyone does just not yes, mentioning it. You know, things like yeah, that. Uh, yeah, like withholding information, mm -hmm. not necessarily like lying, but sometimes just right. not mentioning things intentionally. Yeah. Uh, and that's great because that in and of itself is probably not horrible or detrimental mm -hmm. to the sanctity of your marriage or anything, but I think it's easy. And so I think that's a key to remember is like, am I consistently choosing what's easy or like skirts around anything that would 
bring about intimacy or connection in this deeper way? Um, or am I just going to kind of do the easy thing that in the moment might like avoid conflict or something like that, yeah. but it's not going to lead to a deeper foundation of trust and connection. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, little financial things or emotional things could just be, I'm not sharing my thoughts and feelings with you. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'm not telling you what I'm needing and thinking and feeling and I'm maybe I'm not even admitting them to myself either. Um, yeah. And then, then there's just the whole danger of online stuff and just um, maybe I'm like looking up an ex on Facebook and that's harmless. Oh. And, you know, like it's not even a big deal, but it's just, again, if it's anything that might put me in this fork in the road of, should I mention that or not mention that, you know, like these, these little decision points that I might err on the side of holding back whether again, that's a conscious choice I make, or sometimes it's just this like unconscious thing that I just do out of fear, maybe. Um, Yeah, every little moment like that is setting you down a path Mm -hmm. that will take you away from connection and intimacy um, and takes away from that loyalty and um, commitment to truth. Um, And that could even be good things like ministry or like taking care of your kids or family members. Like just making choices to say I'm putting these other priorities or work, you know, like in front of this bond. Um, and again, it's a case by case thing, but I think yeah. we need to just check ourselves and say, like, why am I doing this? And am I yeah. am I talking about why I'm doing it? Is it something we've agreed upon? Is it something safe? Is it something that I can talk about or do differently? And um so yeah, that personal awareness is really important too. Well, yeah, and I was when you were talking, it made me think that a lot of times when people are unfit, like they may not even know why they're doing what they're doing. Right. So you had talked about like taking responsibility for your needs mm-hmm. and sort of like it, how much it's on us to know what it is that we need. Yeah, and the needs because we're it's like our needs are those little sneaky things. Like they're going to get met right. even if you don't know right. they're yeah. having them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Right. Yeah. And, and we are so creative <laughs> with the ways yeah. that we want those needs to be met. And, and oftentimes it is a, something beyond our like super conscious level. Um, and so, like I said earlier, like a lot of a lot of us haven't figured it out for ourselves to begin with. Right. So we'll just kind of fall into, again, what's easy what's something very satisfying in the moment and that feels really good. And so I'll probably just do it that way next time. And, mm-hmm. or avoided a conflict or it was just like the quickest way to do it. Um, again, that could be good or bad, but if that becomes a pattern and the only way we do it, then it's, it's preventing the, the potential for deeper connection with that spouse. Um, and so then once we, sort through like okay what are my actual needs <laughs> like what what fulfills me what's what am I getting what am I not getting um it is my responsibility then to communicate that to my spouse and equip them to yeah. do that for me to serve me in that way 
you know, and that could be like a, a lot of that y'all talked about, you know, with Enneagram stuff, you know, saying like knowing yourself well enough to tell your spouse, like, Hey, this is what works for me. And mm-hmm. let me help you out. I tell people all the time, like give them the tool, like help yeah. them out so yeah. that they are not just like throwing darts and hoping they stick. And yeah. Um, so equip them to serve you, trusting that they want to, that they've signed up for this, you know, and that on some level they are, they have what it takes to do that. Um, and then that will bring about intimacy and connection. Yeah. And um, so you just have to like nurture that process in marriage. I mean, just like we have to do in our spiritual life, we have to, yeah. you know, open ourselves up to say like, okay, like, and that's a vulnerable feeling to yeah. say like, all right, this is on you now. Like, obviously I'm responsible for myself, but I am now vulnerably opening up to this other person to be the one, you know, main one who serves me in that way. Um, and if I don't trust their ability to do that on some level, then I'm going to just go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go find it where it's quicker and easier and, and, you know, simple. And, um, and that just, yeah, that pattern is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. The, the connection between like feeling safe Mm -hmm. and then also that, that feeling safe, that safe feeling helps you to build trust. Right. And I, I think and it goes two ways, right? Like we have to feel safe with our spouse to be able to open up and trust them to meet those needs right. so that we don't go somewhere else. But we also have to be those safe people. And like, what what does it look like to be a, a safe person? Because I think that, that to me, that boils, to, that's the bottom part. So like for me, mm-hmm. like the area where I can um, struggle with infidelity, you were, you were, you made a, a joke, not joke about a financial infidelity, but like for me, it's emotional infidelity because my um, personality is one that I just don't want to talk about my emotions, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I don't have them. I have them. Yeah. I just push them down and um, I have to be, I feel very safe with someone. And even then I still struggle to share my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so um, having that process to feel safe and then it, I have to be willing to be vulnerable, but it has to be safe before I feel vulnerable. And that's a lot of work for me. So when mm-hmm. you were talking about how it, um, it has to be in, in the easier way. Like it's right. the, I'm always going to take the easiest route when it goes to sharing my emotions, you know, or just feeling emotions. Like mm-hmm. I may not share mm-hmm. it. I may just, those emotions are there. I'm not going to share them. So I'm going to go get those emotion, emotional buckets filled in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's still, those buckets are still empty. Yeah. Um, but feeling safe, I feel like is a really big part of, um, you know, a faithfulness. Yeah. Feeling safe in the relationship. And if that. we haven't experienced that like relational safety in our yes. family life, you know, like yes. before marriage, then it's really hard to conceive of like how that could even be possible in an intimate relationship. Um, so I get, you know, I get the hesitation. I get how scary that vulnerable feeling is. Um, and the fear behind like, okay, you're it. So you better do it right. You know, you better be that person to serve me. Um, but it's so worth it. You know, like, I think that's just the, what happens when it goes well is it becomes this like snowball of building that safety and trust of saying that like, okay, when I get this feedback that says you're there for me, that you got my back, that you, you know, me, that you accept me and that you're willing to serve me, then that just like fills me up and I'm able to do the same for you. And then just like, 
becomes this healthy snowball, which like the exact opposite happens when that doesn't happen and the healthy, the unhealthy snowball starts. And then we just start to hold back more and more and more and more. And then you're not loving and accepting and knowing each other. And now you're kind of just left in the dark. And so then you kind of have no choice but to look elsewhere because you're just like, well, you're not going to do it. So I'm just going to go figure it out myself. And, um, and that could be another person, you know, that could be something online that could be anything that we kind of fool ourselves into thinking will satisfy us. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we can struggle too, is, is if we haven't fully developed what we're really needing, mm-hmm. then we're just going to like play around with whatever until, you know, <laughs> we figure out if it, maybe it works for a minute or, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Maybe it feels good for a moment, but it's not really like meeting this real deep need, um, which again is sort of like a more like deep spiritual need that we're probably not really exploring. Yeah. Well, it made me Um, think when you were talking about like, so I think too, something we do is we project on our spouses things that have happened to us in the past. mm -hmm, So like my joke, not joke about the, so growing up, I had to like, my dad was just really stingy and like it was like, I had to kind of like write a dissertation every time I needed clothes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's what I'm projecting on Chris and it has nothing to do with Chris yeah. doesn't care. I mean, obviously there's like thresholds of spending, but like <laughs> normally right, he, right. like he doesn't get angry if I have a new shirt, but mm-hmm. in my head, that's just this like narrative yeah. I was acting out yeah. and that may not be it for other people, but I think we all bring some kind of narrative like that and for we sure. don't even realize we're doing it. And then your spouse ends up feeling like, what have I done to make you treat? Right. Cause he just gets so upset. Cause he's like, why don't, why do you act like this around me? And I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, and so I think that's yeah. something to kind of be mindful of too, is like a lot of times we're just sort of, it's like we have a script, we've been through the dress rehearsal and we're just yes. like acting out a script. And if we don't stop and like really mm-hmm. do that inner work of seeing like, what mm-hmm. are my needs and what am I actually feeling? And what am I just sort of like putting on you because you're my mirror, mm-hmm. even though that's not fair. Right. We just do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, what is, what what am I believing is true about what I'm worth or how I get my needs met or, you know, how the people around me are going to perceive me asking for my needs to be met. Um, yeah, my my struggle early on was just, yeah, learning that, like, just it's just better not to ask, like, mm. for your needs to be met because I'm, I'm a nine. And so I'm very quick to just hold back and be like, whatever, I'll figure it out you know, and it's cool. Don't worry about it. Um, and I don't think there was like one traumatizing thing in Mm -hmm. my life that taught me that, but I do think it was just a message that got handed down to me of that. Like, it's just better not to rock the boat. Yeah. So I've really had to learn how to like express more. Um, which is funny because I think when my husband and we've been studying Enneagram stuff, um, and he's like, well, hang on. You like tell me your thoughts and feelings all the time. And I'm like, well, with you, it's because I feel safe to do that. Yeah. Like I've, I've finally given myself permission to, to do it in this context. I probably won't do it in any other context, but yeah. with you, I'm just going to awkwardly throw it all out there because I can now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he gets this weird random assortment yeah. <laughs> of like my <laughs> thoughts and feelings now. Um, which come out very disjointed and emotional. And so I'm working on that of like, you know, the coolness of it. But um, yeah, it's because I finally felt like I could and I have yeah. that like 
outlet for it and that he was someone who could and wanted to receive it. Um, and that ideally is what deepens our intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, so for me, I, as a three, I pride myself on not being needy. And so, which we're all needy, right? We all have needs. Have I mean, needs, it's a, we, we are born sure. yeah. with needs. We are born with um, needing other people to right. help us. I mean, only God can ultimately mm-hmm. meet all of our needs, but he put us in community so that we have other people that are like touchable and in front of us yeah. that can meet our needs. But I like to pride myself on not having any mm-hmm. needs um, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, that, that's the successful way to live, right? Yeah. <laughs> to not have any needs at all, which is not true. So all I do is all I do is push all those needs down, right. and then they like surface in other ways. Like it comes out right. subconsciously, and um, and then I find myself. I'm trying to think of an example of how I how I meet those needs without knowing that I'm meeting those needs. So let's let's. I'm trying to think of an example like affirmation. Like mm-hmm. I need affirmation, even though I'd like to think I don't need affirmation, mm-hmm. but I do. And if I don't express that I need affirmation to David. He obviously in return is not going to do that because it's not his personality mm-hmm. to just freely give up. Yeah. I have to be like, I need to t- you to tell me right now I did a good job. <laughs> like he needs that. He needs yeah. it, like, cause he doesn't freely give affirmation, right? He's an eight. That's not his, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's going to tell me all the ways I'm not doing it right. But he's not going to tell me the ways I am. And so, <laughs> and so, but he, he, if I ask him, he will give that. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> it's just like this. So then instead I, I, without knowing it, look elsewhere for affirmation right, right. Yeah. and in some ways there that there's okay things that right. yeah. to my friends mm-hmm. I look to God I look you know to my work to bring yeah. affirmation but there are mm-hmm. other times that I've caught myself um getting it from places that aren't okay mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. wanting uh, you know um other male figures to give me affirmation, right? Mm-hmm. And not even subconsciously, not even sure. knowing that I'm doing that. Yeah. And so, and then you catch yourself and you're like, oh, I liked that conversation yeah. because that made me feel good about myself, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. where, that's the slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so recognizing that I, I actually do have needs and it's okay that I have mm-hmm. needs because I like to think that I don't. And yeah. me, knowing that I need that. And then, then the other cycle I get into is I'm like, okay, I need this. He gives it, and then I hate that I was needy. Mm. So then I reject mm. it. <laughs> you know? So then yeah. I, so he's like, yeah. wait a second, you just told me you wanted me to give you affirmation, and then when I gave you affirmation, you were you didn't receive it. Discounted it. I, yeah. Because I, because yeah. then it showed that I needed it. This, yeah. This is a really bad cycle. Anyways, so <laughs> I'm sharing all the dirty laundry right now. But but I, the point of why I'm saying that is because I have to recognize that I have those needs and that those needs are okay. Mm-hmm. Like some yeah. people freely share their needs and they're okay with being needy, not in a bad and dysfunctional way, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I have to, so it's not just wrecking. So somebody out there might need to hear that. It's not just recognizing the needs, but being okay that I have the needs yeah, yeah. because they're there and I'm going to get them met in some way, right. whether it's subconsciously or consciously. But so yeah. I need to be okay consciously with it so mm-hmm. that I can get it from him. Um, right, right. God and then him. Yeah. Um, and so that I'm not looking other places for that affirmation. Yeah. And that, yeah, that takes that personal uh, assessment, you know, and that journey of figuring out who am I, what do I need, what works for me. Um, and then like setting up boundaries within your marriage to say, like, okay, this is my stuff. This is what I need. This is your stuff. This is what you need. We, we have to agree that like we're the people who give that to each other. 
And so that, I mean, that could be a great conversation. It's not probably a fun conversation, but like, it's probably one that couples don't do very often. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, it really usually comes when somebody, you know, rode in the car with a coworker and then later their spouse was like, that's actually kind of feels weird that you did that. And like, Oh, have we never talked about that? You know, like Mm -hmm. it's just little moments where, um, I think it's wise to go like, how do we protect this? You know, and first we have to agree like that we're the people doing it, you know, generally, um, on this level at least. Um, and then how do we just keep an eye out for the things that like might trip us up or might be, I don't know, tempting or easy. Um, and you know, the hard part is sometimes couples may not always agree on the same thing. Like, getting in a car with a coworker may not be a big deal to one spouse, yeah. but it is to another spouse. And mm-hmm. um, so it's helpful to go, okay, like if you feel uncomfortable about that, then I want to honor that right. because I don't want to do something that's going to make you feel the p- potential for broken trust. No, I do think there's limits there as far as, you know, paranoia versus just yeah, like right. rational I think we concerns. should talk about that. Yeah, I think we should yeah. talk about that a little bit because I, I mean, I don't struggle with that, but I know other women that mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. and men too, probably. I just yeah. don't talk to men about this that, <laughs> that much. Sure. But because like, you have great boundaries. Yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> th- but like, I, I know people that really struggle with um, this feeling of constantly wanting to check up so like mm-hmm. where's that line yeah. um and that not just in not just in sexual infidelity right, right. but in like you know constantly checking the, the bank account general, or yeah. constantly checking you know um like cell phone usage yeah cell phone usage or if your husband travels a lot constantly right. checking his delta account or mm-hmm. whatever like mm-hmm. when where is that line because we should have open lines of communication and it's okay with saying you know, I, I want you to tell me and, mm-hmm. and be open with me about what you're doing right. on the other side, crossing the line into like paranoia and mm-hmm. where it becomes like an obsession. Like, yeah. where is that? Like, how do you know where you've crossed that line? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably for each couple to sort through that together. Yeah. But I do think, um, well, it comes back down to like safety and vulnerability yeah. and trust. And so, it's a vulnerable feeling to just like be like, all right, you go travel or you go to work or do whatever. And like, yeah. I don't know how your day is going to go. Yeah. Um, and I, first of all, I have to be okay with that, with that, like unknown that the vulnerable feeling that comes when I don't fully know, and I don't have constant feedback that's giving me assurance. Yeah. Um, and I think we all kind of crave that, especially when we're feeling anxious for some reason is we, it's just so nice <laughs> to have that like assurance mm-hmm. and that feedback that says everything is good. Everything is safe. And we get a little crazy trying to like seek that out. Um, but, but it's not, it's not intimacy building to do that. You know, right. it's, it's just a momentary feel good yeah. until the next time I feel bad, you know? And so I think there has to be a personal acceptance of vulnerability and a decision, like I said, to trust that other person that says, you've given me enough feedback over time that says you yeah. care about me, you are for me, that you want to be a trustworthy person. Um you know, and if not, for some reason, that's something that maybe they do have room to talk about. But generally, if they're trustworthy, then that's a choice that you have to make as the nervous one. Um, and yeah, so feeling vulnerable and letting that feeling be okay. And then um, 
maybe asking them, like, the reason why I ask what you're doing is because I just want to know you. Like, I just want to know your day. I just want to know, like, how you spend your time. Like, it's Mm -hmm. really cool to think about what you're doing today. And so if that's your motivation, then great, you know, and then hopefully your spouse can be accommodating to that and say, like, yeah, I had lunch with so-and-so and, like, you know, this is where I went on my trip and it can just be this cool sharing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's anything more like suspicious in there, then that's hard because that's sending a message to your spouse that says like, I really don't trust you. So we're going to get into like, if a person or not assuming they're trustworthy, like if something has happened and rebuilding in a minute, but I kind of wanted to go, you had said, Rebecca, you mentioned affirmation, like you need affirmation. What are some other needs that, like, are there, are there like a few just basic needs that we tend to look outward for if we're not getting it met? Do you know what I mean? Like in marriage, yeah. like those marriage needs we need to have met, like affirmation. Like, are there any others that come to mind that you think? Yeah. And I mean, again, I think it's for each spouse to sort through on their own and then relate to each other. But yeah, general emotional needs, like I want to be loved. I want to be accepted by you. I want to yeah, be so built nice. up by you to be seen as valid. I want to be validated by you. Um, I want you to be for me, you know, like I want to be respected, Mm -hmm. um, supported. Um, Yeah. And um, if there's anything that might get in the way of that, like maybe we have conflict or we don't see each other a lot, then that could make me feel more vulnerable and I might be more aware that those needs are not being met and that feels scarier to me. Um, or there just might be like phases of life or seasons of life, like with little kids or, you know, just like a lot of travel or things like that, where it's just harder practically to yeah. get those needs met that you might feel a little more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, or, you know, times of loss or illness or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I really do think it boils down to those, like, real core emotional needs. Yeah. Um, And we all want that. Yeah. And I think we all have shades of what is more meaningful to me versus what's more meaningful to you, Um, which, again, like, the Enneagram is so helpful with, like, equipping us with. But I think um, we all really want that. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if there's like certain like personality types that struggle more with like feeling trust towards other people. And I'm not just talking about marriage. Right, like right. we have to, we have to trust our friends. We have to trust coworkers. Yeah. We have to trust our children, mm-hmm. you know? And like for me, so I come from a background of like a lot of mistrust yeah. from um, family members. Like they've broken a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about my whole family life, but like, um, a lot of mistrust, mm-hmm. but I, I have never struggled with trust ever. Yeah. I've never, and I probably, I probably lean more towards I'm too trusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I trust too much. And so, but like, I feel like if, as I've gotten older, I've gotten very healthy with that, like being able to identify, but like, I don't ever struggle in relationships with trusting people um, and, and definitely don't struggle with trusting David. And uh, Rebecca and I had this conversation the other day when we were talking about the marriage series and she was like, well, he's also displayed himself as being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But even then, I mean, I think that like there are some people that even if they're 
spouse is trustworthy, yeah. they still struggle with trust yeah. and they struggle with trusting yeah. their kids and they're constantly wanting to know what the kids are doing and mm-hmm. they're constantly oh, yeah. like, they feel like their friends are like, you know, doing something disloyal behind their back. Right. Like, right. I, I know people like that, personality types like that that struggle yeah. with it. And like, knowing that about yourself, I think it's helpful too. Like, yeah. like thinking mm-hmm. like, do I, do I feel this way towards other people too? Is it not just my husband? Yeah. Because if it's just your husband, that's obviously something you guys need to work right, on. And right. there's like a safety issue yeah. in that marriage and a vulnerability issue in the marriage. But like, if you start to see that you like are just trusting other people yeah. around you, then maybe you need to work so on why you can't trust yeah. other I was going to say, like, I struggle to trust friendships, but yes. I'm fine with Chris. Like, I trust him a million percent, but like, I struggle with friendships. So yes. it's like... And that tells me that I yes. have wounding in past mm-hmm. friendships and exactly. maybe some area to grow in my current friendships, right? Like, right. so. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think assessing yeah. your other relationships too yeah. helps with that. Yeah. That is yeah. very informing for sure. Yeah. And I think my, my internal monologue is saying like, um, they probably don't care about me anyway. So I'll just like, and it's maybe not like I don't trust them to care about me. It's just like I've I've already decided that they have better things to do, and so I'll <laughs> That's just like <laughs> so I'll just like set myself apart. Um, but then I'll probably get resentful about it later. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's yeah, it's hard. And I, my in my threeness and my really really unhealthy threeness, I'm like, well, I'm so awesome. I have they're not gonna break trust in me because why would they do that? Yeah. Us, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just getting down to the real nitty gritty. And then I'm like, I'm too much, obviously. I'm too much. Right. I'm too much. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's just funny how we all mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And like that goes back to your point of like, you have to know each other, like doing the work yes. and knowing each other. Because my marriage is different than your marriage is different than yeah. your marriage. Yeah. And everybody listening has a different marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And you have your you have different spouses and different personalities and different needs and different love languages. And yeah. like doing that work. And I think that's what it like to me that's what it boils down to is a commitment to the work. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you commit to the I mean, because it's y'all, it's it's not fun well I mean yeah. this is kind of like the backbone of this series I mean yes. everything we're talking about involves you doing things proactively yes. like you can't just like know the Enneagram like you yeah. have to study it and make effort you have to mm-hmm. study yourself and make effort to be trustworthy yeah I mean we're going to talk about mutual submission you have to figure out what that looks like and you have to commit right. to doing it healthily. I mean, like these aren't things that you can be passive about. And I think that right, that's kind right. of what we're saying with all of this is like, trust is not a passive thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you have to choose to do it. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Choose to do it. And, and I think it all does really come down to that, like feeling that is maybe just inherent in us, especially after the fall of just like, I, it's scary for me to believe that someone else could know me and serve me in the way mm-hmm. I need to be served. Like, I don't, it's so hard to yeah. rest in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was Eve's number one lie, right? It was like, yeah. God can't take care of you. You should just go take care of it yourself. Yeah, it was a trust and, issue from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, and so I think it's inherent in all of us. Um, and so I think that's where some of the compassion can come in is that yes. even with like a awful, like, sexual affair you know like there's a two there's like the spouse that was injured now has broken trust for sure how can I ever trust my spouse again but I think the spouse who committed the affair also had broken trust because that person didn't believe that their spouse could serve them in the way that they needed to be served right okay so let's get into this let's get into okay so we've been talking assuming that 
everyone's trying really hard to be trustworthy in their marriage, right? But like, yes. But for whatever reason, sometimes just not knowing or whatever, this doesn't always happen. We're human, we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what, and especially, particularly, not only if you're the one who's been wrong, but what if you're the one who did the wronging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, it's your fault, and you're just, yeah. like, over here, like, I suck, and I'm not faithful. Like, what can we do? Let's, okay, first, maybe we can go into if your spouse is the one who committed the, who committed the yeah. infidelity, however mm-hmm. so. Like, what, how does that even Yeah, so, go? you know, again, and there's varying degrees of what, what this infidelity is, but um, I, I think, like I said, if the spouse, if the injured spouse feels like trust has been broken, then it's infidelity, you know, whether okay. that's like an over affair or like chatting online with, you know, or just like or spending money without spending money, saying sure. yeah, or going yeah. into debt for whatever reason. Yeah. And so it feels it. like you withheld something from me. You let something intrude into our connection. You didn't protect this. You like intentionally or subconsciously went elsewhere to get your needs met instead yep. of coming to me. It's like that's broken trust, that's yep. infidelity. And so, all the feelings that come up with that, that kind of usually it's devastation, you know, usually it's like this very like um, tumultuous thing that that injured spouse needs to express and say, like, this is how this is how I experienced this, this is the damage you've caused me. Um, and a lot of times that brings a lot of shame Mm -hmm. to the other spouse, you know, whether they're willing to admit it or not, whether they see it their way or not, or whether they have tons of excuses or not. Um, and so I think it's easy for the, the spouse who committed the infidelity to kind of either deny it right away or make excuses or just be like, okay, I did it let's move on, you know, and like, yeah. let's get right, right back to the healing and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when broken trust happens, there needs to be like a grieving period. Yeah. There needs to be a time where again, like our needs to be valid, our needs need to be validated. So if that injured spouse, like that injured spouse needs to hear that offending spouse own it and yeah. fully say, I hear you, your, your feelings are valid. I own what I did. And like, this is, this is real and it's valid and I accept it. Um, and then like, let's grieve it together, yeah. you know, and, and to not pretend or move on too quickly. And a lot of times spouses will just move into like, well, do you forgive me? You know, like, you know, I love y'all never do it again. Like, do you forgive me? And just like push for well, that and that's way like too breaks fast. trust too because it's right. not honoring right because it's still sending a and, message yeah. that like says yeah your your needs or your feelings aren't valid right they so were it's just perpetuating yeah yeah um, or I just don't want to sit with it that long because it's icky yeah um, but you have to let it impact you in yeah. order to learn from it right yeah. and to to feel the weight of it and to be like wow this was big and I maybe I realized I was doing it maybe I didn't realize I was doing it but this impacted my spouse personally but also like the impacted the, the bond you know it yeah. impacted yeah. this thing that we've cultivated over time that is hard work like we were saying and it's it's very precious thing and so now that's fractured and yeah and so I have to feel the weight of that and it's going to be another process to restore that. Um, and, you know, it, um, it's interesting in the Bible because 
God is for restoration and reconciliation, you know, and, and yet he gets angry (laughs) like when his people are not faithful to him Mm -hmm. and, um, he it's hurt and he, you know, there may be a time even of like separation from them or something. Mm -hmm. And so even though he's for reconciliation and forgiveness and he's already forgiven us, but, um, I think it's important to like feel the pain of it substantially together. And I think the together part is the hard part. That's where like maybe depending on how big it is, counseling can be helpful because we need help to do that Um, together because it's it's big and it's scary and it um it's very very vulnerable um especially if you're not quite on the same page like if one is in more attacking mode and is still not ready to like you know go to that sad you know like they're still mad and they don't want to go to the sad yet um and you know people kind of like like the grieving process is so unique to each of us um, that was going to be my question was, yeah. you know, cause we took some questions from some like listeners and friends and, and, you know, one of the questions I got, a lot of the questions I got was about rebuilding trust. Like, how do you, how do you rebuild trust once from both sides? Like I'm the offender or they're the one who offended me. Like, how do you, um, rebuild trust? But one of the questions I got was like, how long does that process take? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, obviously that there's like this part of that process there's a sense of hopelessness that I'm right the trust will never be rebuilt and obviously God can restore um anything um but there's this feeling that trust will never be rebuilt and I I would assume you're going to say (laughs) that it it will be different for everybody but because there's no you can't say it's going to take you exactly four years (laughs) the recovery process is going to take x amount of time Mm -hmm. but is like I guess I don't really know what my question is besides like, how do you know you're moving in the right direction? Maybe I guess is more the question because like I said, it's different. Like some people, it it may, you know, you know, take a year and some people it may take 10 years. Like Mm -hmm. who knows? And and that's such a hopeless feeling to not know how long, but like, how do you know you're moving in the right direction towards a rebuilding of trust? And part B of that question is like, how, how do you know if you're doing the like bitter, um, punishing thing right right where you're punishing the offender and you're just like i'm not going to forgive you like i'm just going to keep putting your nose in it kind of thing like kind of the similar question yeah so it's all about emotional vulnerability yeah (laughs) on my own end and in this union so obviously we want to move towards forgiveness but that cannot be forced quickly because it's pointless um because what forgiveness is 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 choosing to say i'm foregoing this debt that you owe me right like i am like justice would be this eye for an eye that like you hurt me i'm gonna hurt you and and i forgiveness says i'm choosing to cancel that debt Mm -hmm. and i'm still feeling the full weight of all the feelings of it and it's still gonna hurt and be a process but I'm not going to like hold it over your head anymore. I'm not going to like weave it into every conversation. Now mm-hmm. I'm not going to punish you. I'm like choosing to, to let that go. Um, now, again, to get to that point, depending on what it is, is, is a process in and of itself. So I think to get to that point, we have to know what are, what even happened? What am I even forgiving? And I think um, the good thing about, 
um, the way kind of some of my coworkers do affair recovery, particularly, but any kind of infidelity you could apply this to is um, actually a very structured process, which is nice. I think for a lot of couples to walk into counseling and have the counselor go, okay, first we're gonna do this, 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 and this. And then like, that is the path. Yeah. So I was actually really comforted by learning more about that because I was like, oh, there actually is like a path. Um, And it starts with disclosure. Like it starts with a full thorough disclosure of what happened. Um, cause a lot of times because of our own shame and guilt and that icky feeling, we kind of like give tidbits to our mm-hmm. spouse and be like, we still want to hide some of like the fullness of what happened. Um, and we just kind of trickle it out over time or maybe they catch us. And so then they ask questions and we give them just enough information to like appease them in that moment, but then they catch something else later. And yeah, so that is very damaging for that because then it's like a, a whole new betrayal every time they find out something new, right, yeah. some new piece of information yeah so we want to avoid that as much as possible so sometimes a counselor specifically but we can do this on our own and whatever degree we have to just lay it all out there like shine full light on it you know which is a very biblical concept that says yeah. like put it all out there in the light yeah and it's gonna hurt and it's gonna be hard and it's gonna feel bad in the moment but that's so much better because one, you know, what you're working with and two, you know, like what to forgive, you, you, you right. know, like, what am I actually forgiving here? Um, and then only then can we move towards like healing. Um, so disclosure is huge and that needs to be like in that there needs to be, like I said, that full ownership by the spouse who did commit the infidelity, um, And then hopefully, you know, them starting their own process of like, why did I do that? You know, that kind of personal exploration on their end of saying, yeah, I didn't trust you to meet my needs. And maybe I didn't even know what my needs are. And now I'm realizing that you you were willing to do that and I should have come to you and some of that exploration. Um, And so then, yeah, after that. I think comes that grieving mm-hmm. period. This is like, okay, it's all out there. Yeah. And now like we've all admitted how this has impacted us. We've both had our, our time to say our thoughts and feelings about how we feel about it. What, what it did to our bond. Um, the injured spouse feels validated. They've been able to share their part. Um, and now we're going to emotionally just sit in that space together and grieve that together which again is super hard super vulnerable terrifying especially if we've never really done that before because again a lot of couples have never entered that space before Mm -hmm. so it's very very unsettling um and um so just practicing that every day of like where are you at today how are you doing today like where's your headspace today what's coming up in you today like, what are the triggers? Like, and being fully available to receive that from each other. Um, and and hopefully there is space, too, for the offending spouse to have time to say, like, I'm hurting today, too. You know, like, I'm, mm. I'm, this is what I'm needing. And hopefully they can move into more of that, that give and take of. That's good, because I think we don't, I think we think, like, well, you messed up, so, like, yeah. this is about me and my grieving, but there right. is grieving for the offender For sure, well. and I think that is more bonding for them to both practice together, uh, re-experiencing that, like, I can be vulnerable and 
and tell you my hard stuff and that you are going to receive it Mm -hmm. because like, I know it's hard for that injured spouse to receive it early on. And I get that. So there needs to be time for them to move into that space. But eventually that injured spouse should send a message to the offending spouse that says, I am still for you. You know, like I'm still here. I still want to be the person for you. Um, just like I really wanted you to be the person for me. Um, and what could that possibly look like? So a lot of this process is really like starting from scratch. I mean, I've heard a lot of couples say like, I wish you just could go back to the old way. And I'm like, do you really? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff there, but like, I think this is, this is a, a, uh, alert that said like you need a new normal for each other right um, yeah and in a weird way some something devastating like this is an amazing reset button for couples that could get the get to them uh, get them to a place of intimacy that was never possible before right especially yeah. based on whatever pattern they were stuck in yeah um, it was just never going to go there yeah based on how they were how they were serving each other so this has high, you know, potential for bringing couples to this really beautiful place. Um, I mean, which is the gospel, right? You know, like, which yeah. is like full um, reconciliation and, yeah. and feeling loved and accepted. And, yeah. and, you know, that was something interesting that my, my boss, Jeff, said was that the gospel is good news, but you can't have good news really without like the the understanding of the bad news. And so mm-hmm. like the bad news is that we're sinful, <laughs> that yeah. we mess up, that we can't do it on our own. And so the good news is like someone can, you know, and, um, and so on a smaller scale, that's sort of what our marriage is saying is saying like, I have to reconcile with the fact that I can't do it all myself. Yeah. And I've chosen you to be the person to like serve me in this way. Um, and then I can rejoice when you do it. Yeah. Um, and that's good news. Um, I'm going to go back to what you're talking that, about yeah. with forgiveness. Um, I really liked what you said about how forgiveness is, um, it's not forgetting. Right, right. I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it's not It's not forgetting what's happened and it's not even still sitting in the consequences of what what has happened and like mm-hmm. um, yeah. feeling those consequences. Right, it's right. not It's not a, okay, I forgive you, it's all over, but it's a choosing to move forward mm-hmm. and to not punish. Right. Um, even though you still feel those feelings, which it's okay to still feel those. Yeah. I, I think sometimes we feel like we're not forgiving another person. This is not just in marriage, but just in general, yeah. whether it's, something your family members have done to you or whether a friend's done to you or somebody at work's done to you or whatever, like, um, anytime you've been injured, Mm -hmm. um, and you know, emotionally like by another person, it's, it's not a, I think we don't really, we, I think sometimes that I don't reach forgiveness until it's all forgotten, Mm -hmm. but like you can reach forgiveness. There's grace in that you can reach forgiveness without, without feeling like it was feeling okay. okay. Yeah. 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 And I like that you talked about consequences too, because there's probably still not going to be like a lot of emotional safety and trust there yet. And yet I can still forgive, meaning I'm not going to expect every day for you to pay this back to me, you know, like that I can't, because first of all, you can't, but also just, um, I'm I'm just not going to keep 
waiting around for me to feel the full justice of it. Well, and that's exactly it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not going, like there's literally nothing that person could ever do to fix it. And we think that there is. And again, not just in marriage, but like when someone has wronged you deeply, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't go back. So that's important to, because I think we think like, well, if I just make him feel bad enough or I find, you know, it's like you kind of, but there's really nothing. Yeah, yeah, and it's really probably just going to hurt you in the process because you're just going to be stewing in it and yeah. and having unrealistic expectations and then getting hurt again every time that you realize that they can't do it. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes me think of like a tea bag. Like if you leave a tea bag in hot water for like three minutes, it's perfect. But mm-hmm. if it just keeps sitting in the hot water, it gets like way bitter yeah, and you don't yeah. even want to drink it anymore. And yeah. that's kind of like what the anger, like mm-hmm. part of grief, it's like, you can be really mad, but if you keep it in there, like it's just gonna get bitter and bitter and bitter. And then mm-hmm. it's not going to be yes. consumable. And we all know, yeah. we all know those people. Like I can think of family members and yeah. stuff that just like, have held on to things for right. so long that like it has become who they are yeah, yeah. and it, and they are the angry bitter person yeah and, like because like you said a part of grieving it's okay to be angry yeah it's okay right. you to, have to be you have yeah, to be yeah, angry you have to yeah. grieve yeah. and you have to like ex- have expectations on another person to like make things right like that's yeah. okay that's a part of the process mm-hmm. but like it's this it's when you sit in that anger or the bitterness or whatever for too long. And it's different for everybody. Like the grieving processes and this goes for grieving in general, like this right. isn't just for, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've all had, even if our spouses haven't um, been unfaithful in whatever way we've all had to grieve something yeah. and, and grieving is different for everyone. And I, I think when we try to, at least for me, I like to like put it in a box. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to grieve for this long for this X amount of time and then everything's gonna be okay after I do it for that X amount of time and it never works like that well what's so funny about that though is so like I'm a four and I get stuck in my emotions and my therapist used to tell me to do that like she would so like some people maybe because she would be like you need to put it not like sit but like you need to put a time limit on it and you need to have a timer for when you stop and you get up and you do things because you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that 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 is a like momentary, like in the moment. Yeah, that's not just. But she's not telling you you can only grieve for X amount. Right, of time. right, but right. But like she just sit in that motion for. Yeah, and like me, I I I need to. I want to put a box around it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna cry for five minutes mm-hmm. and then we're gonna move along. We're all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> put on your big girl right. panties and keep moving. But and then yeah. I'll expect to feel better after. Yeah, that exactly. Have it yeah. resolved. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I tell people to do that too. That's really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that must have been in counseling one on one. Must have been. Yeah, because it's it could be super overwhelming. Well, um, it felt safe because yeah. it was like, oh, I, I know that I don't have because it's it, not grief can feel me. like this. Like yes. it's so big, it's safe mm-hmm. to have your own boundaries around it, mm-hmm. where you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't have to do this for longer than yeah. you know. So it can be good. What about if you're the one who messed up? Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. First so, of all, grace. Right. Yeah. Well, to yeah, to remember that you're a human being and that I think it comes down to, again, owning up the why um, and not just like, well, my spouse wasn't giving me enough attention. So like, I had mm-hmm. to go do, you know, like, no, <laughs> like the why, like what were you needing or what did you feel like you were needing that? you decided on some level that they couldn't do for you, that God couldn't do for you. You had to take it into your own hands. And I think it all comes down to that kind of just like 
I, am I good enough? Uh, do I feel satisfied in life? You know, just like these general themes that are actually pretty broad, but we kind of just attach symbols to or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll just decide. And, and, and it's such like a quick, short-term thing because it's so feelings-based. Mm-hmm. And especially for someone who may not be very good at being in touch with their feelings, it's very easy to just kind of be swayed by them mm-hmm. internally and not really know why. Um, Cause we're just so quick to go straight to the solution instead of the process. Yeah. Um, I just want to feel better. Like I just want to feel satisfied. I just want whatever. And so I guess go back to the easy. What's the quickest route to get the feeling I want to feel the mm-hmm. conclusion I want to get to. Um, and, and to, to learning to identify that first of all, like, and what was, what was making me hesitate from going the harder route? You know, am I even aware of what the harder route was? Mm -hmm. Um, Has my spouse communicated to me that they are open to that? Um, And if not, then can we talk about that? Um, Well, and I think that would be really um, encouraging to the spouse too. Like if you were the one and you made the step to like go to a counselor and try to figure out what went wrong. That would be such a like, yeah. Um, helpful thing to show them that I I'm willing to take ownership of my motivations of my needs. And I I want to put more clarity around it so that I can then bring that into our safe space. Yeah. That's huge. Um, but yeah, when you, when you have messed up, there's so much, there's so much shame, whether you're tapped into it or not, Mm -hmm. that, that bubbles up. Um, and shame, as we've learned, you know, like is yeah. kind of a trap. Um, and one thing that I tell people a lot is guilt. Guilt is purposeful, but shame is just like this icky pit yeah. that keeps you stuck. Guilt says, hey, what you did was wrong and it needs, needs to be rectified. So go do it. Um, shame is saying like you're wrong and right. you're bad and there's like really no way out. Yeah. Um, and so guilt should motivate us and move us towards action and then it should dissolve and go away Mm -hmm. because it's no longer necessary yeah um and so i think that's where the offending spouse can kind of sit with that and go okay like i feel bad i feel icky i feel guilt but like let let me not let that turn into shame too long because that's not really helping anyone yeah it's not helping me it's not helping our marriage it's not helping us move forward um, but let me sit with the guilt appropriately so that it can motivate me towards owning what's wrong and, and rectifying that in an appropriate way. Um, and then moving through that work so that the guilt can go away once I've like identified the wrong. Um, I kind of think of it like guilt kind of says like, hey, you're better than what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shame is like. That's exactly That's what she would have you. done. Well, it's yeah. just like in our parenting, right? Like, right. we approach our kids. Like, how are we approaching so them when they've, done, when they've done yeah. something bad? Like, mm-hmm. when we when we go to them to, to tell them what they, to convict them of what they've done wrong, like, what are, is our motivation to, sh- to make them better? Right. Because like, we, we love them and we know they have more potential than X mm-hmm. of what they did. Yeah. Or are we shaming them because... Um, we want them to like think that they're bad and Mm -hmm. most parents Mm -hmm. good parents most of us when we present something to our kids that they've done wrong it's from a place of we want we know they can do better yeah versus versus a i'm going to show you all the things you did wrong because you're bad right yeah Yeah. and that's what and and we have to we have to recognize that that god has god does 
convict us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit convicts mm-hmm. us. We feel guilt when we've done something wrong, and, and there can be godly guilt. Right. Mm-hmm. But there is no godly shame. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. God never shames us. Um, and there's no condemnation. Condemnation is different than like feeling bad. Like mm-hmm. being a Christian doesn't mean you're never going to feel bad about your sins mm-hmm. because there's no condemnation. It means that you shouldn't feel shame. Mm-hmm. And the shame's been covered. Yeah. But we should. We still have to feel guilt for what we've done wrong because God want, God knows we can do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, to, to say what's, what's going to actually help this situation. So if for, again, the, the one who committed the offense to say like, I have to fully own it to myself and, yeah. and then to my partner. Um, and then I'm going to use this guilt to move me towards my spouse and, and put it all out there in the light. Um, and so guilt, again, is like focusing on the thing, like the behavior I did wrong and not the person. Um, but then I can take that next step and say like, well, what was going on inside of me? And, and mm-hmm. to sit with that um, in a vulnerable way. Um, and then that, again, like that can bring real connection. Um, so it's, it's worth that process, um, even if it's incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so then that's sort of just like what healing looks like is that like everyday practicing of, a, of emotional vulnerability and, yeah. and receiving each other back and forth every day. Um, and, and almost so that it just becomes your new language with each other. Um, and then that's, that's what really healing can look like. And I think that's what gives us back the feedback that like, maybe I can trust my spouse again, or maybe I can trust my spouse to take care of my needs because like now I've done it. <laughs> now I've yeah. been vulnerable around you yeah. and you've, you've been there for me. Um, and so that feedback just like starts to tip the scale again. Um, yeah. I, I think we have to, at least I have to remember that like grieving or healing in any way, not, not just healing from, um, an affair, not just healing from, um, or just grieving the death of a, of a parent or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like, it's not a linear process. Mm-hmm. I am a very oh linear gosh, person yeah. and yeah. I want things to like move from one step to the next, to the next, mm-hmm. to the next. And you talked about like a affair recovery, there are steps, right. but it's not a linear process. Yeah. It's just like any kind of healing. It's like I mean, the stages of grief. Like they don't like, go in order. Yeah, yeah. stages of grief, uh, physical healing. Like when you have a surgery, mm-hmm. like every surgeon will tell you it's yeah. not going to be a linear progression. There's going to be two right. steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, it's very hard when you're in the middle of that grieving process of whatever it is. But in, in this instance, um, in infidelity, if you, you want it to like, we move to the next box, we move to the right, next box, right. we move to the next box. And like, just knowing that it's, that's not how it's going to be. Right. It's going to be like, you're going to have good days and bad days. And definitely, like, and obviously, you know, you're progressing when the, the good days get a little bit more than the bad mm-hmm. days, but like, there's, mm-hmm. there's always setbacks. Like there isn't yeah. any, I mean, you know, yeah. both David and I, I lost my stepdad and he lost his dad dad um six seven years ago and like most days are fine but Mm -hmm. there's still a day that like you're like oh my gosh I felt really sad today you know and and it's the same way and like Mm -hmm. recovering your relationship too so yeah and it's so important it's so hard for couples even the super healthy couples like we just kind of talked about this last night with my husband that like to just be able to say like I'm sad this thing's mm-hmm. making me sad right now and have your spouse go like oh that makes me sad too like let's be sad for a minute you know and yeah when it's very tempting for the other spouse to be like why didn't you do anything wrong you know and get mm-hmm. really defensive mm-hmm. and yes. 
And she's like, no, like, can you just be sad with me for just a second? And it doesn't mean anything else. It just means like, this is a valid feeling for a minute that we can talk about. And there's, there's room for. Yeah. Um, and um, it doesn't have to be threatening. Well, yeah. Trusting that there's not shaming right. intention behind it. Yes, it's literally exactly. just like, I'm owning my feeling and I would mm-hmm. like you to join me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Anything really else? Really good. Yeah. Hmm. Before we're, we're at our hour mark. So okay. Well, let's see. We talked about <laughs> little infidelities. Well, for the little one. Okay. So we've mm-hmm. kind of mostly focused on, I think, like sexual affairs. Big damn. But like, say you're in a place where you're doing, you're noticing, like, I'm just doing some little things. Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. sort of like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do we do then? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that self-check is important because first of all, you have to notice we're doing yeah. that. Um, and to even notice like, oh, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't share that with my husband, you know? Yeah. Like, I, guess, I wonder why I didn't. Like, why didn't yeah. I bring that up? Or, um, you know, why did I leave that part out? Or just things like that. And to, to just check ourselves and say like, was I scared? Like, did I think he was going to react badly? Mm-hmm. You know, like where, what lie am I believing in this moment? Yeah. Um, and so then again, you're at that fork in the road to say like, I could kind of just like keep this up and it's not really harming anyone. It's fine. Um, or I could just say like, you know, what? I'm just going to choose to share it. Mm-hmm. You know, my spouse may be like, okay, cool. You know, and like, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah. But like just the act of sharing mm-hmm. my truth is just good posture to have with each yeah. other. To just say like, hey, just so you know, X, Y, Z happened today. Or just so you know, like I did this and wasn't sure how you'd feel about it. I want to let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that spouse may be like, cool, I didn't really need to know that. But thanks for telling me, you know. Or they <laughs> yeah. may be like, wow, I'm so glad you told me that. Thank you. That's Or they, that's may, get, they may get upset. Or they we may have to be upset. okay with yeah. that. We have to be okay yeah. with you right. know, and, and hopefully out of that, we can talk about it and process right. and move on. Right. But like, we have to also be prepared for them to yeah. get defensive if yeah. we bring something to them, even if it's something little, um, yeah. but still knowing that, that, um, not hiding is always better. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes yeah. we get stuck in the lie that it's better to hide. Uh-huh. Um, right. I mean, kids do it all the uh, time. They hide yeah. all the time. And we, and message. we do it yeah. without realizing we do it because we're adults and we think we don't hide, but right. like the hiding is like, it is never going to make it better. Ever. Yeah, Even though we think if we just hide it and right. just cover it up, everything will be okay. Yeah. And it's not, and, it never anymore. works. Um, oh, it goes yeah. back to our first episode. And I was talking about the things that, you know, Dave and I have been married 18 years. And one of the things for me is keeping short accounts. Mm-hmm. And so like me, what I, I, I wasn't hiding like, um, you know, an emotional relationship with a man, mm-hmm. or I wasn't hiding mm-hmm. pornography, or I wasn't hiding, you know, the, or, right. or a sexual sin, or a, spending money and not telling him, but like I was hiding my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so he, something would happen, and I, because I didn't want to be needy mm-hmm. or whatever, I'd hide my emotions. So that's how I was hiding. Instead, yeah. one thing that's really worked with me is to keep short accounts. So even if it's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? I was like really mad that you did X today. And he's like, what? Like, that's so little. Like, you know, <laughs> like still bring the, the, yeah. the discipline. Right. For me, at least, not everybody. Like some people may be like over emotional shares and maybe yeah. they need to back off a little bit. But like for me, I I need to practice it in the little things, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. little small things. Like that just like really 
kind of, it was little, but it was annoying, you right, know, and I need right. to tell you this because if I don't tell you this, it's going to fester. Yeah. And the hiding, I will then start hiding bigger things and bigger things and bigger right, things emotionally. Right. And it's, yeah, it's still sending a message that there wasn't room for me to share this exactly. for whatever reason. Yeah. I just decided there wasn't room. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, that's, man, that's something that couples and then husbands and wives say almost every time that there's infidelity, any kind of infidelity is like, it's less the thing he did or she did and more about the betrayal of trust and more about the secrecy. Yeah. Like that's the thing that really hurts. Yeah. Um, because literally it hurts us and it hurts the bond. It just undermines everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and um, the trial's the worst thing. Like. Yeah. And so it's the, the thing that happened is bad, but it's the next step of hiding it that is really harming your intimacy mm-hmm. and your connection. Um, and so, yeah, like you said a minute ago, like it's probably better to just like say the thing quickly, <laughs> knowing that addressing the behavior is is going to be less damaging long term yeah. than hiding yeah. it and thinking that it's no big deal. Um, and then it's not setting up, you know, any precedents or patterns for doing it again and again. Yeah. Because you get that feedback right away that said like, oh, okay, we, we dealt with it. <laughs> like it's possible to deal with it and I can do it again next time. Um, yeah. It's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we will link to Tapestry yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, they have some great feedback um and they have a great podcast yeah. um actually y'all are in the middle of a podcast series on a fear recovery right well they just yeah it's, okay it's ended okay it's like yeah four parts yeah that really so that'll be definitely if you want to dig deeper stuff. in that yeah. yeah we'll definitely link to that yeah, with with um you said your boss at tapestry yeah like, Jeff Pipe. he he this is his like yeah he does a lot of expertise yeah mm-hmm. awesome um, perfect great yeah, yeah we'll definitely link to, that. to that awesome yeah. Yeah. thank you so thank much you. thanks for coming okay thanks have a good week okay bye so this is a postscript because we were chatting and we didn't cover something important which is what if you are really gung-ho about recovery you want to do it and your spouse is just not what do you do then yeah yeah and it yeah it depends on who did what and how big it was and all that but I think if one spouse especially it's usually the one who did the offense who just wants to like move on and like not harp on it um, or is still kind of trapped in their shame of it yeah don't want to like deal with the ickiness of it or or again they feel how inadequate they're gonna be at coming to that place of emotional vulnerability usually for men especially they're like i know i can't do that so yeah i'm trying i look like a fool and so they just stay in that safe space and that's really damaging to the wife usually this the other spouse that's just like you're not you're not coming there with me mm-hmm. and so whether that means they don't go to counseling or they just kind of don't do the thorough work of joining with them in that space um there's not much you can do like their boundaries right like they're their own person you can't force them to do it um so that just leaves the injured spouse or the one hurting with their own work you know and that as well saying that I I kind of work with a lot of the women especially that are sometimes in that place of like I I can't make him do xyz yeah I'm here (laughs) and so now I'm I'm doing the grieving of what happened but now I'm also grieving that my spouse is struggling to come to that place of emotional vulnerability with me and that's devastating in and of itself and so how can I be healthy (laughs) you know how can I be a healthy version of me 
knowing that maybe this piece is not getting resolved. There isn't going to be reconciliation in this Mm -hmm. idealistic way that we were talking about. Um, And so then that just has to, I I think it has to come back to like, again, what are your needs and how are they getting met? And clearly if this other person isn't signing up to do it anymore, then it has to go back to God, obviously. But I think, you know, there are other ways, safe, other safe people in your life that you can turn to, to say like, okay, I can still practice emotional vulnerability with myself and with these safe people. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be this like deep, intimate level that maybe a marriage would have but um of of course I can do that yeah um I might just have to do that in the total icky inconsistent mess of the grieving process and how complicated that can be um but I do have to believe that I can find that feedback in other safe people because again marriage is was built to symbolize like God and his people, right? And that isn't the only way to experience intimacy in life, but it's just like this big way that he gave us to yeah. to play around with that ideal. But we can find that elsewhere. We can yeah, experience sure. that feeling elsewhere and, and then just, yeah, go straight to God and remember that he, he is the like perfect provider mm-hmm. of that um, wholeness. Yeah. yeah. It's good. That's real good. Thank you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for PSing me. Sure. <laughs> a lot. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. <laughs>